The aim of the London Promoter Society is to bring more than four generations of London promoters together from across the musical spectrum to realise the collective effort we're part of. From old school legends to eager new party starters, creating a place to plan, exchange news, information, concerns and ideas. From new spaces and places to support services, suppliers, technology and government policies that will try to affect the way we all party in the future. Independent promoters play an important role in the party of life. Our communities are a catalyst for culture, collaboration, communication and creation. Powered by passion, we continue to shape the sounds, scenes and society we live in. Our collective audience, understanding and skill to promote is a powerful combination, especially when positioned for positive change. Now is the time to stand together, unite and build bridges through our arts and culture. The technological playing field has never been so level between independent and mainstream players, yet the latter cannot hope to emulate our spirit. Kicking things off, this is for the revolution, Spiral Tribe. There are some dark figures. My name is Hayley Squires and you're tuned into the London Promoters Society radio show. Um, I'm promoter... <laughs> Uh, promoter of the Silver Bullet Group, named after the Silver Bullet venue in Finsbury Park. We were operating for five years before our party got closed. But like they say, Spiral Tribe, they might stop the party, but they can't stop the future. Joined in the studio with Tommy and George. Boys, want to give yourselves an introduction? Hey, my name is George. Um, I'm a part of the strategy of the LPS and um, just working things out and how things best flow. Um, I also build sound systems, I do a lot of different things in music events, I run a couple of record labels, part of another one, um, Formation Records. So yeah, a lot of different things to do with and around events um, uh, and, and supporting people who do them. Um, and yeah, like it's literally the way the world changes really, so I love it. Yeah, cool. My name's Tommy Tickle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm fairly new to the LPS. Um, I've just come in, I've just moved to London last month or so, and I just came through to one of the meetings and sort of loved everything about it, got on really well with everyone, so I'm taking on the responsibility of organising the events, um, which are going to be sort of monthly talks, panels, networking, but we'll get into that a little bit closer later on. My my main thing is really sort of DJing in production, that's how I've sort of come into putting on my events. Uh, I'm setting up a record label um, and yeah, look, looking forward to what LPS brings us really. So, so we've had, should we go over what, what meetings we've had so far? So it's been a little bit sporadic the last few months because um, we haven't had any real regular format with our meetings, but there's been a lot of buzz and a lot of energy. We had a launch event last year, um, loads of guest speakers, shout out to Adam Hailu. Unit 137, Billy Daniel Bunter, Rave Story, Call London, DJ Snuff. Um, big up to Freddie, our chief who can't be here, sadly. Um, Jar Lingua, John Allen, John Phoenix, John Cowden. But altogether, we've had over 700 um, promoters sort of sign up to, 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 to become part of the society. Um, we've been building a little base and getting some sort of regular format together and trying to create the vehicle that will move everyone forward together. One thing I find really exciting is the fact that we all, as promoters, have a huge reach um, and if we unite that reach, we can really make some massive moves. Um, we're now making the London Promoter Society meeting the last Tuesday of every month. Tommy, do you want to tell us a little bit more about what we've got going on? Yeah, so we're just sorting out the events for the next few at the moment. Um, so we'll be hosting like quarterly events that will be uh, sort of bigger with a few more talkers and uh, 
plenty of interviews and discussion. Um, but yeah, literally at the last Tuesday of every single month, um, we're going to be having a little meet up. Uh, we'll have something to talk about, some discussions to be had. Um, the next one is going to be at uh, Grow in Tottenham on April the 30th, um, which will be focused mainly around sort of uh, branding for events and that kind of thing. So um, we've got some talkers coming in from, um, uh, we've got someone coming from Zero Twenty, who are a branding and promotions agency um, who are responsible for events such as Percolate. And they also um, do a lot of the branding for Got Word Festival, as well as various other venues around London and other uh, paths that are not quite so music orientated, but it'd be interesting to hear them talk about that kind of thing. We've also got, um, John Allen from the Allen Night, which is Awareness and Love All Nighters. It's one of the first parties I went to when I came to London, actually. Really? Yeah, big up, Allen. Yeah, yeah. It's, it seems like a really interesting idea for a night. I'll be in, excited to hear him yeah. talk about what's going on there. And we'll have some other talkers going on, um, and then some DJs playing. And yeah, just a chance to meet up with a load of other promoters, and as Hayley said before, like build our collective worth um, and you know meet, meet more people. Mm. You know, because it's all about who you know in this industry. So we give it, give everyone an opportunity to yeah. meet more people. It's really, really good for nice. new promoters coming through because you're surrounded by people that have been promoting for 30 years. I mean, we've got pleasure of um, having Gaz as part of the board member. He's been running the long, he's the longest running weekly promoter in London, does Gaz's Rock and Blues um, at St. Moritz and Soho. So you're just surrounded by loads of experience, loads of guidance and uh, loads of laughs. Yeah, and there's a big part of um, the radio shows, we're going to be talking about things which are deliberately useful to people. Um, as part of that, also um, on the website, we're going to be rolling out toolkits. So, for example, spreadsheets. These are horrible things that everyone wah, hates wah, making. Wah. But, 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 if you do it right, that's where you get to go on holiday at the end of the month. So, we're actually putting these things out for people who, you know, normally it takes like maybe a year of people getting enthusiastic about events to generate and go, oh, right, I need to be serious about this. If we can provide templates to people that make that really easy and make their events done really, really well, all of the people who are so enthusiastic about events are going to be able to pull them off and pull them off in a really, really amazing way. So, we want to help everyone with that. Um, and that, that's a big part of it. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, I mean, also, it's it's something we, re we really have a heart for is the, the promoter's community and us being able to share resources, share opportunities. Um, and that's a really, really big part of it because for, for so long, the music industry has been very protective um, and almost con often controlling of opportunities and networking. And well, I call industry, I call it the music scenes. The underground and the independent is music scenes. It's hard to, I mean, I, I hate using the word industry, but we sort of start, got, we've got to start behaving more as a united network and with, with, in, with a business-like uh, manner. So we sort of utilise our strategic ability a bit more. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and not yeah. necessarily in a bad way, because like... You know, to most music people, you say the word business or, as you say, industry, and it carries very negative connotations. But actually, things can be done with the right ethic. And transparency, I think, is a really key part of that. And, you know, that's that's a value we really, really uphold as an organisation. Um, and also accountability and transparency and basically enabling things to be done the best for everyone. Um, and it's with that heart that we want to do what we want to do. Um, we want to help everyone um, to do with Cause, it. Because the thing is as well, in, in the music scene or the music industry, however you want to call it, like as soon as, if, you know, if you're an artist and you play one gig and you get paid 50 quid for it, you are running a business then. Mm -hmm. If you put on a night, a party mm -hmm. for your friends and you're getting people to pay on the door, you're running a business. That's, yeah. the, that's the important like, thing to know True. and to sort of have in mind when you're setting these things up. Mm -hmm. And yeah, all, all those tools will be really useful to people 
Um, so like as, as we go along, we'll collate more of that kind of information and just find as many different useful uh, data yeah useful bits of things we can do to help people because there's been a lot of changes in london as everyone's know everyone knows and everyone has experienced like loads of venues are closed and but there's also loads of venues popping up and that's the amazing thing we found is what the london promoter society is building a bridge to is the venues that need promoters and promoters that need venues so we've got a huge database and we've got lots of links to equipment production hire companies and like-minded crews and organizations that can facilitate what you need yeah exactly and and i mean the reason why we're doing all the events in different venues every time or you know all the meetups Mm. is just so you know for an opportunity for all the promoters that come through to have like a bit of a chat and a face-to-face with the people who run the venues also to have a look around the venues and explore places that they may have not been before and so hopefully we'll be able to just link up loads of different people uh, and you know, hopefully, after every event, like nights will be coming off the back of that, thanks to LPS, mm. which should be something that really, um, which is what, what we're here for, really, isn't it? So yeah, absolutely. And you know, we talked a bit about um, the kind of culture, culture around events, culture around promoting. Um, so the next little bit of the show is going to focus on um, mental health. Um, there are a couple of amazing projects and different things that we've noticed that we're part of and and that we support um which are really trying to change the culture around music events um a lot of the discussions are now bubbling up as a result of keith flint's death um from the prodigy um who was an absolutely seminal figure that probably every single one of us knows and knows the music of uh, at the very least um and you know that it's it's something that we do really need to be aware of because it is like the serious side of the fun side of the industry, you know, like the music and the events is really, really fun. And that's why we all do it. And that's why we're all part of it. And we love it. But at the same time, we do have to recognize you know, more serious elements like this. Um, so, yeah, I'm just going to um, play The Prodigy Breathe. Big up, Keith, to infinity and beyond. So yeah, the key, uh, the key really for the mental health um, awareness. Um, I went to an amazing uh, panel discussion hosted by Skiddle um, at the Queen of Hoxton last September, and they put out a really, really fascinating study um, about promoters' mental health. And it was something they encountered accidentally. Um, what I mean by that is they basically noticed that you know some promoters would cancel their nights last minute. Uh, and they realised that actually it was something that really needs to be talked about. And to their credit, they put some funding towards actually conducting some research, which is a great example, by the way, of companies actually putting stuff out that's of social benefit. Massive fan of that. So um, I'm just going to read the summary um, that they put out. Um, I think it's absolutely bang on. It's a tough slog being a music promoter. Long hours and financial risks are some of the pitfalls of the profession. And although hugely rewarding at times, it can take its toll on women and men who put so much into running these events. Gig goers and ravers love so much. With mental health encouragingly become more more of a conversation within the music industry, we recently conducted a study to see the impact the role has had in promoters' well-being. It's the first time any of the thing, any, anything of this kind is focused specifically on behind-the-scenes professionals, with over 500 promoters, venue owners and event organisers responding. They revealed that a staggering 82% of industry professionals have suffered from stress, 67% said they had anxiety, and 40% said they had struggled with depression. One in 10 said they developed associated 
symptoms of obsessive compulsive disorder as a direct result of their work in music. The sobering revelations don't end there. 65% of promoters said they frequently felt an intense and an unmanageable level of pressure, whilst almost half, 47%, said their work in music had often led to a constant feeling of anxiety and sadness. And you can check the Skiddle website for more details and data on that. Um, just to be realistic, if you are a person who's listening to this and you do yourself struggle... Um, there are three particular organisations that can really help. That's Calm, Mind, and also Help Musicians UK. Help Musicians are great. I've had a mate contact them and, and really, really found a lot of support through them. So it does work. It's not just rubbish. And it, phone call, you won't lose anything. So, you know, look after yourself. Um, yeah, I mean, we really do have to raise a question about the culture surrounding music events and what it is. Because obviously music is fun most of the time. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought what Tommy said earlier was quite interesting about... Um, well, I mean, so obviously the whole point, no, the whole game <laughs> involves like meeting new people all of the time. Yeah. Especially, you know, you get a promoter, you fly someone in, you fly an artist in, you always go for dinner and, you know, constantly meeting people, constantly shaking people's hands and stuff like that. And like, if you're not feeling up to it, then you just have to put on this big facade and, you know, just deal with it and get through it. And then that's just like sort of burying your emotions, hiding it under the rug a little bit. I'm sure like half the time they'll be going into the toilet with their like hands and their heads like screaming to themselves. But like, you know, you just need to be able to talk about it. Like problem shared is a problem halved and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and ev like a lot of people, as George just said, like uh, are in a similar position. So it's, you know, always something to think about and never feel like you're struggling by yourself. Because uh, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? It's the uncertainty of everything that you're doing mm. is always stre more stressful than having like a nine to five job. And I think having the society meetings the last Tuesday of every month's call, if you know, for, for whatever reason, if you've got something that's stressing you out, that we, but there's everyone there to help and support each other. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that was, that was what I uh, proposed really at the Skiddle meet. I said, look, for promoters in London, it's really important knowing that you're not, al you're not alone. I don't mean that in a cheesy way, but like everyone's trying to work things out themselves. Everyone... And there's this temptation to think, oh, I'm alone, I'm isolated, no one understands what I'm going through and I can't talk to anyone. So actually, coming to the monthly meetings, um, whilst it's not specifically designed and catered towards that, just by talking with people who are friends and who are really lovely people, um, genuinely, I find it such a joy, and I know other people do. Yeah, certainly. And I mean, in terms of like, you know, some of the people on the panels, it, it just comes, it will come up in conversation. And so, you know, if you're listening to people who have been through it, like Hayley said, people who have been promoting for 20 years and you hear about their hardships, then it's something you can really relate to. And it's worth just coming down to listen to that. And because afterwards, you'll be able to have a chance to go and speak to that person and be like, thank you so much for saying that to me. Because mm. uh, yeah. you can share each other's like help I mean, each it, other to it, get through it it's a pressurizing sort of point of career choice isn't it because that that buzz you get at the event when it's all popping off is partly due to that real pressured buzz you get beforehand and i think you know especially if you've got money riding on the on the line and you know there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of stress and strain around it but it all pays off obviously when it when the event goes really well but i mean you know there's the reality of when an event doesn't go so well and you know, I've personally, I remember one event, oh, I was probably about nine, nine months ago now, it was a Sunday day party and I was, uh, I was involved in the sound engineering at the venue and uh, I, I witnessed a, a promoter physically break down in tears because of the stress 
that he was encountering, you know, 10 minutes before doors because he had no idea whether he was going to get his money back. And, you know, um, there's not an enormous amount of margins in terms of promoting, and that was probably his rent. Um, you win some, you lose some, though, and that's the risk we take, and that's why we fucking yeah. do it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that is, and, but it's about encouraging each other to do it in the right way, you know? Mm. Um, it's, uh, I just want to highlight um, one person who I found really inspirational. Um, I personally am a sober raver. I might have the odd Red Bull and the odd beer, but I don't, I try, you know, I really try hard not to get pissed and I don't do anything else. Um, there's one person who I really look up to in the industry. He's been very public about this, otherwise I wouldn't mention mm. him on the show, which is Billy Daniel Bunter. Big up, Billy. Um, founder of the Rave Crew. Like, he's done so much for raving. and Yeah. He's been rocking it since, what, the early 80s and yeah. doing free parties and raves back in the day. He's a regular radio show on Call London if you want to check it out. Um, one thing that's been really inspiring about him the last, I think, just like year and a half is that he's just gone completely sober, um, getting really into fashion. And I think his his passion then has just been redirected into loads of other streams. And he's really public about it as well. And it's great to see him really going full, full force, mm. um, which I think is um, achievable when you don't smash it every weekend. Because if you are out rocking your events and going to other events and drinking, even if it's not even that much, it does catch up on you and lack of sleep and everything else so yeah i mean i I read an article with um fat boy slim and uh he obviously has spent most of his life uh getting on it (laughs) dancing Um, really hard (laughs) but uh so and he was talking about how you know obviously his career has just lasted forever but um there's been a point where he's had to just like cut it all out um which again it like you know if, if you're if you are in a bad place, then doing all those things isn't going to help it any further. Mm. But I mean, he was he was talking about it like uh, you know, obviously he's used to playing massive, massive venues and stuff, and uh, he ended up like going up to play sober for the first time like ever, pretty much, just like absolutely like, oh my god, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? <laughs> Which is yeah. funny. But obviously, that's just something that obviously. So now he does it, and he's like. He said that the promoters are like offering him a bit of this and a bit of that. And he's like, no, nah, I just want a cup of tea and going to go to bed, mate. <laughs> like, uh, so it's just, you know, something that you need to like uh, get, get, get used to. Like, there's yeah. no point putting extra pressure Everything on is permissible, but not all things are beneficial. What we got Very coming good. up from Steph? Uh, we, I just, yeah, we've got Steph talking about um, harm reduction. Uh, Steph heads up dance culture, um, which is... We got Steph. Yeah, big respect. Yeah, um, yeah just... A load of people who freaking love raving um, and, yeah, seem to be magazine and various other things from what I can understand. Um, I really, really, yeah, we just touched on this with Billy Daniel Bunter and that, but um, something that's really been highlighted to me in the last sort of nine months or so has been the focus on music events tied with the alcohol industry. Uh, And this is sort of, it's not necessarily a bad thing or a good thing. It's just something in the way the industry has evolved um, since especially clubs, uh, sound systems, and that became domestic. Well, it's the, it's the way it's the way venues are funded, you know, and that that's what I've always found running events. I mean, I've programmed for venues uh, full time, and one of the things that is a real battle is that the venue supports itself from bar sales and a lot of the scenes and sounds that I represent aren't heavy drinkers so you sort of restricts their movement into venues um primarily a lot of roots and you know hip-hop and things that are real powered by passion where, where drinking isn't the main focus do suffer from that so it's a time where I think we need to start figuring out other ways of um operating really um you got a little piece from Steph yeah hey George Um, Yeah, so basically, I think it's one of the topics that really needs to be looked at by 
by our government and our licenses. You know, like all the licenses are closing, all of the clubs are being shut down because of health and safety, because of all the problems that are happening, which are apparently causing loads of problems for our police and our hospital services, which is in direct relation to the nighttime industry, which we know it's not necessarily fully there. Now, Berlin has um, things in place, I'm sure, or I'm pretty, you know, like I'm pretty sure. I know the French government actually has a budget for harm reduction. So, um, you know, that would be a good case study. Um, Psycare, also known as Cosmicare, they are the UK's like number one harm, harm, harm reduction and welfare organisations or charities. Um, they're amazing at what they do. They're affiliated with the Loop as well. Obviously, we can bring Loop with them, their statistics and what they do. Also, the Loop has finally set up the first allowed drugs testing unit, which, for example, has been happening in Sweden, but in Sweden, the police wait outside. Um, so it's, it would just be interesting to bring up, I think, all of these points, because I think in the infrastructure between any sort of music event, the medical staff need to be there for a serious medical emergency. The security needs to be there for serious security problems. If people are just not happy taking too much or even even completely sober and just having some sort of mental or emotional breakdown, then it's a place where they can go, they can seek help. And in the long run, there might be a lot more to offer people um, by, way, by way of help. So yeah. That's a rough one. Um, if you want me to hook you up with Psycare, I can. Um, I'm sure they'll be happy to do a bit. And I'm pretty sure you guys know people at the loop. But I think, yeah, that's that's the missing link to creating effectively a strength, a very strong triangle of safety when at music events, no matter what happens. Yeah. Morning. Okay, so that was Steph Bennett, um, member of the London Promoter Society, coming up now with a short piece. We've got uh, DJ Snuff, who a lot of people in London might know about, Padraic McCrudy. Um, I owe him actually a massive one because he really supported me when I did my first event, uh, the Silver Bullet, six years ago. Um, he's programmed for Hootenanny and loads of venues around London. Um, and I think he's going to talk about... George? So, yeah, he's going to talk about really the solution. So we're all aware of these. We've been talking about the problems. Um, big bugbear of mine, solutions-based thinking, not problem-based thinking. So we need to find the solutions. We need to be generating these solutions. And Snuff is a very forward-thinking individual in terms of these sort of things. Yeah, peace, guys. Um, it's hard for me to articulate what I really need to say, you know, because the legalities of it, like, ain't particularly straight, you know, because what I feel is missing is that hole-in-the-wall culture that we've always had here in London and... Um, Anywhere where there's culture, like we have freedom, don't we? You know, um, but with that freedom, obviously, there's problems of legalities because, you know, people get wayward with the with the drug usage and so on, and um, that's where they get us over a barrel with this health and safety um, regulation thing in it. You know, so I guess uh, we need to look at different avenues, different ways of approaching it, rather than just leaving the country like Spiral Tribe or something, you know. We need to look at litigation and all the things that uh, Steph just mentioned there, looking at um, models in other cities around Europe and elsewhere on the planet, if wherever relevant. Um, yeah, obviously my issues that I was ranting about is just the sanitization of everything coming out of the hood, 
going into a very vanilla marketplace for a very vanilla culture, you know? And vanilla, I mean, as in bland, one option, simple palate, taste, you know? Because uh, we're a funky bunch with a lot to offer and there's room for biodiversity, but we're not going to have no biodiversity if everything is uh, regulated by these conglomerate, bougie, um, soulless outfits that are taking ownership of all of the venues and squeezing the um, the roots out of, or squeezing the actual nutrition and uh, micro life out of the soil. Yeah, so as I said, it's difficult to articulate exactly what I need to say, you know, but yeah, we need to find more more room for breathing, more, more, yeah, yeah, we need to be able to breathe out here, you know, otherwise London's kind of just dead food, you know. Okay, so Snuff proposing we need a bit of life uh, in events, promotions, and music culture. What are the general thoughts? Uh, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I disagree. No, no. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, quite I totally, totally understand and feel the pain and, and, and see what's going on for, for, for the truth of it, but... I think the the power of the London Promoter Society and all the access to other venues and spaces and places and just uniting our forces together can at least start solving a lot of the problems that certain promoters are facing um, with venues that are turning very vanilla, as Snuff says. Um, it's an interesting one for me. I think we had um, a venue I was programming for for a while in, um, in, in Hackney, um, had loads of sound complaints. Um, which wasn't, I couldn't put down to actually the sound. We had three limiters on the sound system, went through a lot of changes, changed the rig up. Even when I had a, a, an external sound system in there, it's not when we had complaints. Um, the only thing I could see that connected the complaints actually at that time was that I had a, a black audience. Um, so I think there is this sort of subconscious bias as well, which people would need to, to battle against. Like, Yeah, there always just seems to be someone who wants to complain about something. Mm. And then if that one person is... Like, like making things difficult for like thousands of thousands of people that are coming through to these events over the course of months and years, and it's it's uh, takes takes pressure. Really, we do have to bear in mind also. There's the agent of change principle, mm -hmm. which is coming in, has come in, will come in. Anyway, basically that means that if somewhere is a music venue and it's been recognised as such, someone moving to the local area, or um, someone in a new development, for example, complaining about music. Um, well, that doesn't work anymore. Whereas previously, that's been plaguing uh, different venues. Um, I mean, the same could be said of church bells. You get people who move next to churches and they complain about the bells. Well, you'd think you'd think these things through before moving there. Um, and so that's now being reflected in the law. Yeah, I think it's with new builds that are happening, but you need to catch them at the right time so it's put within their contracts. So unfortunately, the Empire in Hackney didn't really clock that this office building was being converted into a live workspace. Um, and that's where the trouble started. So, um, And I think it's, it's weird. The, the, the Hackney Council is an interesting one because they haven't even... They weren't really operating in a legal manner anyway. They didn't come and check the complaints. They didn't have any of their own calibration readings. Um, and, and it was difficult because because the venue were very scared of the council at the same time. So you've got the venue just walking on eggshells around things, but the support is there. Mm -hmm. um, and I think really 
valuable crew to shout out now is the Nighttime Industries Association, um, led by Alan Miller and Mike, um, who are really representing a lot of nighttime industry culture in London and lobbying the government, um, and also helped spur up the We Love Hackney campaign um, in Hackney, which was created because Hackney Council had imposed the strictest licensing laws in the whole of the UK, which they say wasn't a blanket ban, but it actually means it's really difficult because they would only consider a license up to 12, which means as a, as a late night music venue, you can't really survive anyway. Mm. So the Wheel of Hackney campaign group started um, to prove to the council that the people in Hackney did not want this licensing policy to go through, but the council sort of ignored it, um, passed the bill anyway. Um, and I think now, George, the Wheel of Hackney crew have actually started a legal court case. Is that right? Um, yeah, I uh, don't know the full in terms of like how the different things are working, but essentially there's a, there is going to be some aspect of judicial review about that licensing policy, how that was implemented, why it was implemented. It wasn't very... I mean, on a local level, it wasn't democratically representative of people, of what the actual people in Hackney wanted. So... Whilst there's no mandate for the local council to actually have to respect that, they can at least notice that in appeal and that can put pressure on them to take note of what people actually want. Mm. Um, and yeah, we love, ha we love Hackney are really kind of spearheading that. Yeah, it's, it's interesting as well, right? Because on the other sort of economic side, on the other side of the economics of that, right? Uh, have you heard of the MSG sphere? Oh, yes, yes, yes. So it's like the biggest, the highest capacity venue is apparently getting built in London in like Olympic Village. It's just this massive, it looks like a golf It's like 20,000 capacity, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's the biggest venue in London, yeah. And that's just like the, so it's Madison Square Gardens company, mm. MSG. Mm. Uh, and obviously, because they've got loads of cash and they're building this massive thing, then it's all of a sudden, it's fine. Yeah. Because uh, in the article, it's talking a lot about, you know, Obviously, like there's people living in flats all around that that are going to have like mental traffic. They're going to like completely, it's going to block the direct view of the sun for a lot of people and things like that, which is, um, which is crazy. But obviously it's just a case of because there's money involved. It's like people just can get away with it a lot easier. It's crazy, isn't it? Like, hmm. So Snuff's solution uh, is DIY culture and he will chat for a minute about that. Also, in general, I guess, just more enabling, more enabling for DIY culture to flourish, you know, um, instead of the uh, appropriated hierarchy that exists. Uh, and also, something Steph mentioned there as well, um, about harm reduction and so on. As you know, I'm somebody who's interested in um, nutrition-based uh, lifestyle, and that includes nightlife industries. So. I guess nutritional-led nightlife industries is something to maybe bring into the narrative uh, when we're talking about this, because uh, what provisions can be made for the likes of us? Uh, that would obviously mean like a, an entire rehaul of the entire business model of the nightlife industries, although not necessarily an entire rehaul, just just for the niche, the niche, like myself, you know be good if they could create more opportunities for a uh, nutrition-led uh, nightlife yeah cool of course that was uh dj snuff um i think 
to bring it back, speaking about the NTIA, because I, I think they're really, we found them as the London Promoter Society really supportive um, and they're trying to sign up more venues and promoters um, to the NTIA. Alan Miller, who actually runs the NTIA, has a radio show going live on Soho Radio uh, tonight at 6pm. So worth tuning into that if you want to know more about the NTIA. Um, they've got Nick Morgan talking about events in the UK and challenges um, and their new white paper report. Yes, now this white paper report was actually really interesting, particularly for festivals. Um, it was the political economy of informal events, um, which, I, yeah, I, I studied economics, studied politics, which found, found it fascinating. Like, very few people are picking interesting research to do with particularly informal economy and also music. Um, so, yeah, really, really worthwhile. Um, paper to get your head stuck into some yeah. bedtime reading. A really, a really cool thing about them as well is um, I've been speaking at a few of their panels um, representing the LPS and chatting about things that are happening in nightlife in general. And the, the connections and the contacts they have, obviously they've been all really rocking the industry for years and the really good, genuine, honest um, uh, ethos um, with good direction. They, they also have the lawyer... Uh, that saved Fabric a phone call away, and I've spoke to them and had loads of really good advice. So, um, and they've also got an ins insurance policy which will save your sorry ass if anything happens. So, a uh, really, really good company to get involved with. So, check them out, the NTIA. Oh, Paul Ibifa. So, we're going to play a track from Paul Ibifa, who runs Jungle Splash um, once a month uh, in Vauxhall. He's also a member of the London Promoter Society. Massive respect and love to Paul Ibifa. Cool, you're tuned in to the London Promoter Society radio show live on Fred's FM. We've got 10 minutes left. Um, want to sort of continue with a little bit of a success story, actually. Big love to the social uh, venue, independent venue uh, in Soho. Uh, I'm not sure if you might have seen recently, they needed a lot of money to save the venue. I think, as far as I remember, one of the co-owners was keen to sell it to a cocktail company. Um, the other two weren't as happy about that, so had to buy him out of his share. Um, had to start a crowdfunding campaign. I think raised about £95,000, which they successfully did in a week. So it really shows um, with a united force how far you can push a sort of uh, a good campaign like that and how successful it can be. Yeah, I, mean, I think I think the crowdfunder was for to get like it was Fatboy Slim that was playing on the night and people spent 95,000 quid coming to Fatboy Slim night at the social, which is uh, fair, fair play on him. And yeah, it's, it's amazing that they've managed to do it in such a short period of time mm, as well. Yeah. Like, it's amazing. I don't yeah. understand. How does that work? £95,000 so from one... No, they had a crowdfunder crowdfund going on. So everyone yeah, was sharing yeah, yeah, the crowdfunder. Yeah, yeah. There was hype. There was PR. There was yeah. press. There was people aware of it. People donating and then getting someone big on. And it's it's generally the yeah, hype, yeah, hype, yeah. hype so of the whole it's thing. Like, it's like crowdfunder for this cause. This is what you get from it. And yeah. donate what you want to it. So people would have been throwing in like huge sums of money towards the cause for that fish. It's just like a, a reason to give them money rather than just to give them money like a... So I think a big thing here is if, if you're working with a venue um, that is in a position, a precarious position, email us uh, on info at londonpromotersociety.org or call our party line 07971 434350 and obviously we can provide loads of uh, assistance, promotion and uh, come up with a plan. 
Yeah, we also have links to the NCIA and the Music Venues Trust who are very, very used and skilled, used to and skilled at helping people um, make the best of the music environment they're in. Yeah, a cool thing is we've now got a voice on the NTIAs. So the NTIAs um, Board of Advisors, uh, the LPS is now represented on. So before what I found after going on a little two year rampage when my venue closed was that you've got the Music Venues Trust, which is representing the venues. You've got the NTIA representing more of the nighttime industry side of things. But I found a whole of no one really being the voice for independent independent music and nightlife and promoters. So now we have that which is great so email us your concerns and your positive feedback and anything you want to really and we'll we'll uh, pass it on yeah um so looking ahead um we've got loads and loads of different events happening um planned over the next few months as lps we've also got a lot of things interestingly happening around us uh i want to just shout out to the cause um who are quite an interesting venue um very short time scale and they've had a lot of big headliners and stuff um, but they, the whole idea with that was that they are raising a percentage of their profit towards mental health charities. Um, and they've done a really amazingly successful nationwide campaign about putting on events um, to do with Keith Flint's death um, as, as a means to actually helping other people to avoid that situation uh, and, and also raising awareness in that. So, um, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, big respect to that yeah i've got an event coming up on the 15th of june um which i'm really excited about and i'm sure as many as you do uh, as promoters we, we met, wear many hats i also manage a few bands african head charge and i'm also really proud to represent the champions league selectors and activists um which is the champions of 70s london sound system culture um they were a catalyst of so much creation and we really we really uh, owe them a lot before, you know, Abishanti, before Jashaka, before Bob Marley. London was having it large with the Champions League. So that's Festus Coxon, Natty Frontline, uh, Dennis Bavel, uh, and a whole, a whole troop of uh, real, real game changers. So they were, they were making dubs in London and pushing them back to, to Jamaica 18 months before they were released. So uh, there's an event happening on the 15th of June at Block. Uh, in Hackney Wick, where I'm bringing the Champions League selectors and activists together with the African Head Charge sound system. So save the date and check it out. That's a fun one. And also slightly closer to home uh, and also slightly closer down the timeline, 21st of April, Threads Radio is doing something very cool, which we're also speaking on now. This is Threads. Um, they're doing a Promoters Unite Day, which, yeah, um, it's about 20-odd promoters all of whom are part of or to do with the Threads Radio community. Normally, as we discussed at our first LPS event, it's the culture of promoters generally to be very competitive, not do anyone any favours, especially each other. And the Promoters Unite event is really coming in the opposite spirit to that and is saying, do you know what, let's just everyone have a massive party and combine all of our DJs and combine all of our resources and all of our reach. So... And, you know, that's the sort of thinking that's really come out of these LPS meetings. Um, so, yeah, check it out. 21st of April. Um, it is also free before 12. Tommy, um, what, so when's, you the, want, um, you want it. when's the next LPS meet-up? Uh, next LPS meet-up's April 30th, and that's at Grow Tottenham, which is actually right next door to us here at the moment. Um, so, yeah, that, that'll be mainly on branding uh, and developing Unite, you know, sort of from the start-up in terms of how it looks and, you know... We'll be discussing even up to, you know, festival level of branding and marketing and that kind of thing. Um, 
But obviously, again, it's you know that's that's just a reason to come down, and the rest of the night will be you know we'll have some great DJs on and an opportunity to again link up with loads of promoters you know, meet a few people, learn something and have a good night. So Yeah, absolutely. And um, also, we just want to ask you to get involved. Uh, we are collectively the London Promoters Society. Um, this is really important because actually you have content that is valuable to you. You've got problems that you're thinking about. You've got solutions that you're trying to generate. Share them. Let's get involved. Let's help each other. So, um, yeah, hit us up through email. Come to www.londonpromotersociety.org. Okay, and now we're just going to go into a track. Um, mostly, actually, it's been quite cheerful. We've been talking about solutions. Um, yeah, okay, there's pressures on venues and stuff. Um, but there's a little symbolic track, the specials, Ghost Town. Be so excellent to each other and party on, dudes. Before we go, on the 21st of June, we're going to turn this ghost town into a huge party world. Uh, join the worldwide celebration of music, Make Music Day. Uh, it's a free celebration of music around the world, launched in 1982, celebrated uh, across the world. Um, really easy way to get a license, um, and if, even if you don't get a license, to have it large. Um, big up Nick Ronan as well. Here's a little advert from him. Yes, yes, massive. Y'all ready for this? Calling all music lovers, promoters and DJs. Make Music Day is an international celebration of music that takes place on our midsummer solstice, the 21st of June, every year. Make Music Day is comprised of hundreds of free music events spread across the UK, created locally and connected globally. We'd love to see more electronic and contemporary strands of music being involved. And as this is the world's largest grassroots and DIY music festival, it can be you that makes this happen. Scoot over to makemusicday.co.uk to find out more about the festival, this year's DJ theme, or sign up to take part. Make Music Day, 21st of June every year. Get involved. Cool, big shout out. Step music, announcing the unity of all peoples through the medium of sound, sound, sounds. Big shout out as well to Joe Moocher, who's locked on throughout the show. Get involved in Make Music Day on June the 21st. Great day if you want to attempt any world records. Um, peace and love, people. Back in four weeks' time, London Promoter Society. <laughs>